Hey folks, super, super excited about this conversation. We're talking to Robbie Ballinger. Robbie is, as you'll hear, new to Colorado, but he did this thing called the Colorado Crush, which is absolutely insane. He's going to explain it more, uh, but what I'm going to tell you right from the outset is go watch the film. It's like half an hour. Uh, it is amazing. It's on YouTube. It's free. It it shows you visually what this experience was like. And I'll be honest, it was way more hardcore than Robbie made it seem even. he He's so nonchalant about it, but it was I mean, it's a crazy feat. It's doing the Leadville Ironman, doing the entire Colorado Trail, 500 miles, hundred thousands of feet of elevation change and gain, then doing the Leadville 50-miler. The Leadville is the big races in Colorado near Leadville, Colorado, named after the town. Um, highest town in the U.S., by the way, 10,000 feet, 10,200 or 800 or something, so over 10,000. So, so Robbie did the marathon, the entire Colorado Trail, which is a huge bucket list item for tons of people, then the Leadville 50 marathon, then all the Colorado 14ers, literally all 58 14ers, all the mountains over 14,000 feet. That's a huge achievement in anyone's lifetime. And then the Leadville 100 mile race, the ultra run. He did all that in one summer back to back to back, doing one event after the other, knocking it out to, to basically finish uh, everything in time to do those Leadville events, which are on a schedule. The other ones he has to just do on his own time and make sure he finishes in time. So um, holy cow, I don't know if I've heard of anything crazier than that. Uh, there's a few folks we've had on here that have done some pretty crazy stuff, but Robbie did an a, a, absolutely epic thing. So Here's the conversation. And Robbie actually, last week when we were having the uh, the hurricane, a couple weeks ago now, Robbie checked on me. So I really appreciate that, Robbie. That means a lot. Shows what kind of guy you are. And uh, yeah, you can uh, care about things like that, but also get out there and do amazing stuff like the Colorado Crush. So I hope this inspires you. Definitely check out the film. I, I can't say that enough. Check the film out. It's such a cool film. Um, and Robbie has all kinds of interesting other projects coming out, like racing a Tesla. He runs farther than a Tesla can drive. Um, there's a recent film that has just come out about that. Check that out too. It's going to be in the show notes, uh, but let's go ahead and jump in. Y- you've done some cool projects too. You know, the Colorado Crush isn't your first big adventure. Um, you've got one where, where you did coast like across the u.s running but also running around central park according to your website but but where did this start like what 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 were you into that led to this because people usually don't jump in with those big things sometimes they do i mean we've definitely had a lot of stories on here where people are like i've never done this and i jumped right in and now it's my life but for for you what was that kind of trajectory up to things that were big daunting adventures yeah. So, um, for me, you know, I said, I, I was into like hiking and stuff as a kid, played team sports, but I didn't find running in like this ultra endurance thing until I was 29. I'm 37 years old now. And I was living in Austin, Texas and running some restaurants, partying really hard and, uh, met a girl and she was a marathoner, invited me out on a run. And that run just changed my life. It allowed me to kind of re like established my priorities and started running instead of going to the bar all the time. And then 
like fast forward four and a half years, we've moved up from Austin to Colorado and started running a lot as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next after leaving the restaurant industry and somehow settled on running across the United States. And so it was like a year process of training and getting all the logistics together. And then on uh, March 16th of 2019, I left from Huntington Beach, South Carolina, and I mean, South Carolina, Huntington Beach, California, and um, ran to Central Park. So 3,175 miles. And I did 75 days, averaging 43 miles a day. And that was my intro into this kind of ultra endurance space. And then over the years since then, just kind of been looking for things that inspire me, big efforts. I really love multi-day, multi-month things where you really have to deal with cumulative fatigue. It's not just like one effort, you're done. It's like you have to pace yourself in a way that allows you to get up every day and continue pushing forward. Wow, man. How far was that first run you went on? Two and a half miles. It was all I had. How did it feel? <laughs> it was horrible. It, it kicked my ass. But then, well, the great thing was like that after part, you know, you just like feel elated, you feel accomplished and it stuck. It, it, I, I talk often about, again, at that time I was partying a lot. So to me, it's like running is the inverse of a drug. When you're doing a drug, it feels really good. And then you feel like shit afterwards. But when you're running it often, especially when you're starting off, it doesn't feel too good while you're doing it, but you feel so good afterwards. And I just liked, I liked that equation a lot better. And it resonated with me. And Most healthy feel- things are that way, aren't they? Yeah. 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 You have to work for it. You have to work to feel good. Whereas like, you know, imbibing too much, it's just too easy. And then you have to pay for it afterwards. Man, that's right. You do pay for it later. Whether, whether that's, you know, relaxing a little too much, what you eat, you know, enjoying things that taste good right now. I mean, not that I'm mean, healthy food is tasty as well as you know, but for a lot of us, it's, it's, it's a learning curve starting off, you know, um, two and a half miles led to uh, a thousand, 3000 fold or 2000 fold of that pretty much in a relatively pretty short amount of time. Golly. Well, what was it about running maybe over other endurance sports that you could do, you know, like cycling or, or, or any sort of adventure sport, even what, what about running you think stuck with you over getting back into maybe a team sport that you used to do or anything like that? I think the simplicity of it, it's just like, so it's innate. It's, it's something that like, is just so in the fundamentals of who we are as humans. And when you're getting started, all it requires is a pair of shoes. I think as any of us, you know, that do any type of endurance adventure sports over time, you make it more complicated and start gathering a lot of other gear and things you need. But in the beginning, it's like, just lace up a pair of shoes, walk outside your door and you can always go for a run. So I think that's what really got me into it initially was just, the ease of entry. And, and I will say, I went for a run. I don't run much. Just, I talk about that a lot on the show. Mostly cycling, but I went for a run the other day, about two miles. And it was like late at night. And I remember, you know, it was a very short amount of time. I was like, I had a podcast episode going. And I'm like, wow, this was such a higher quality 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. It was like three miles. You know, a higher quality time working out than if I was to ride my bike, which it's just hard to break. I, I need like a day almost to get a good workout or at least hours. You know, it's not minutes versus yeah. running. You're like, wow, I can turn my day around in 15 minutes. Totally. There's a lot of bang for your buck, right? Yeah, and exactly. it, 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 
it just like it, for me, it allows me in a very quick time to sift through thoughts, emotions, and come out the other side feeling more grounded. And then when I started running, I was just really stressed in work. And I needed that. I needed a way to process things that was healthy. And, you know, that that was the one. That was what stuck. And just been kind of pursuing that ever since. And now, as I get into longer, bigger things, it's it just the longer, the further I go, the more I seem to grow and hit like these different flow states and hard times that I have to overcome. And it really becomes these big endurance efforts become this like parable for life that allows me to explore the ups and downs in a very concentrated amount of time and then bring what I learned from that to the rest of my life. Man. Yeah. yeah I, I know there was in, in the Colorado crush, there's a lot of like the philosophical side of running. And I, I just don't know anyone that is running those distance that isn't also like a really deep thinker and someone who's like contemplating how this applies to life. And it's, it's really neat, man. Like I, I'm curious how history is going to look on the era this era of ultra running, like, I don't know if it's the beginning, you know, like in 150, 200 years where there's some pretty good distance, like, will these people be considered like almost how we view monks today, you know, from a few hundred years ago where it's like, oh, they would just go off and live on an island, never speak for years or months. And they'd be like, oh yeah, these people used to just put shoes on and run for like 200 miles or thousands. Like, I'm really curious what's going to happen there because it's going to be interesting, man. So, so, Going from two miles or two and a half miles to 3,000 miles, what were some of the thresholds? How did you even get ready for something like that? Because obviously you've got to live and work and, and, and figure out life around getting prepared for that. Like, what did you even, like, that's just so, that's just such a major jump. I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Like the people around you must've just been flabbergasted. <laughs> they definitely were. Uh, and it was, it was a quick progression. You know, it went from that two and a half miles to like a half marathon race, like a month and a half later. Okay. okay. Marathon within another six months, 50 miler within a year. Like I was just And, in and you, we, you were feeling like, wow, this, this is great each time, but this isn't it. Yeah. And, you know, I think the reason for me was like, I think when people get into running a lot and they get obsessed with speed and that never was my objective. I was always really interested in how much further I could go. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just kept going. It just kept happening. And then <clears throat> as far as like actually getting ready for and training up to the transcontinental run, I was very blessed. Like I, 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 again, I started running because of these stressors of this restaurants that I was a part of part owner and overseeing operations. And then fast forward four years, I left those restaurants. I sold my shares in them. And so it allowed me to have the, the space to kind of explore what I wanted to do next. I wasn't working for a little while. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And the way I was processing that was through running. And then in that process realized I was going to take on this run across the U S and I just had the time. It just takes so much time to train for these big ultra endurance events. And I had the luxury of it. And then through that, I found a couple sponsors that were willing to help kind of barely get by with, you know, with my expenses, but allowed me to continue to just train really hard to get to that transcontinental run. And then in, in that, it was just like heavy, heavy mileage. Uh, I broke up the the training block. It was a, a year long training plan. And it was very simple though. It was like the first three months were just to make sure three, four months were to make sure I could run 10 miles a day consistently. So I'd run 10 miles a day every for 13 days straight, take the 14th day off and just repeat that. And then the second block was, 
increasing that mileage up to 100 to 120 miles a week, but running every day consistently. And in the third block, I did a bunch of ultras back to back. So I was doing 50 milers and 100Ks every two weeks for like three months straight, like just just piling on the races with the idea being if I could normalize doing 50 miles in a race, I could slow that down and do it every day kind of was the idea. Wow. Wow. Was it, was there a time that you thought, man, I'm kind of sick of this or during training or what have I gotten myself into? Oh yeah, for sure. There was tons <laughs> of that. Like we're just terrified at moments where I'd be like, what if, like, what am I promising here? Uh, and that lasted until like, the day I crossed the finish line in Central Park, you're yeah, just like, okay. wow, this is, da- this is daunting. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I'm very tempted to dive into that adventure more. Uh, but I, I do find with folks that have big, multiple big adventures, it's, it's easier to focus on one for the episode. So I'm going to fight the temptation. Um, <laughs> but dude, that is so wild. That is also, that was like 75 days. Yeah. That yeah, is so sure. much time to think about what to do next or what to do with your life or what to, or what to just not do. You know, they, I, I can't imagine the ideas that were swirling and the inspiration it was to, to finish that. And then you did this crazy adventure around Central Park where you ran for 19 hours, all the, you just around in circles um, and <laughs> broke the record there. Was that after? Yeah. Yeah. So the, Transcon was kind of my first thing. And then coming out after that, there was a lull. Like there was definitely this time of where, I don't know, I think I subconsciously assumed that if I ran across the US, I'd finish and life would be perfect. Birds would be chirping and it'd be great. Yeah. It didn't really work out that way, you know? And, and I think anybody that does big things like long trails or trains for a big race, afterwards, there's like a feeling of depression, kind of not knowing where you belong, what you should be doing. And 100%. I went through that. Uh, yeah. Man, it, I, I don't doubt, I don't think there's someone on the show that hasn't gone through that. It is yeah. definitely what you will experience post-adventure. It's part of it, you know? It and is. I think the, the best thing you can do is learn from it and get better at it, you know? If you want to do multiple things, is like acknowledging it and understanding it's going to be there and then like learning how to navigate it, I think is really important. So yeah, but that first go-round, I wasn't very good at it. So it took six months of me just kind of feeling very lost and aimless and not knowing what to do. Um, and then it was like, I was, I got a job just trying to figure out what was next working for a startup and then COVID hit, you know? So like with everybody else, I was just stuck at home for a while. And then, you know, what COVID hit in March by June, my wife and I realized that we could go, we were living in Denver. We we're like, well, we could, we can get up in the mountains. We can social distance up there and do what we need to do. So we just started doing 14ers. So in the summer of 2000. 20, we did like 24 of the Colorado 14ers of the 58. And while we we're out there, I was just finding that I was in this flow state and just loving life and learning a lot about myself and pushing myself physically. And I was like, well, how can I create something that would allow me to do this for a whole summer? And I started looking at what were the big things that people did in Colorado. And, you know, you have these three aspects that I found, which was doing all the 14ers running the, or the Colorado Trail 485 miles. And then there's the Leadville Trail Series, three races over three months, a marathon, a 50 mile and a hundred. And then it was like, can I just pull them all together and do them all in one summer? And when I started looking at it, it looked like it was possible, but it would be hard. And that was exactly what I was looking for. It was something that would test me and, you know, put me in the realm of I can finish this, but there's a good chance I won't either. So that was where the Colorado Crush was born. And then, you know, by the next year we were ready to go and took it on. Had anyone done that before? 
No, no, not that I know of. I don't know of anyone that's done all three of those in one summer. I don't even know if anybody's done two of them in one summer. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I, I'll be honest. This is uh, this is what really got me. I've done the Colorado Trail, most of it by bike, mm-hmm. which was hard as hell, and that was not nearly as much. You know, actually. <laughs> There's people that do it on bike in the amount of time that you do it on foot, which is crazy. Um, and then all the 14ers, I probably did about half of them while out there. So when I saw this, never did one of the Leadville events. So when I saw this experience, I just had to talk because for anyone doing any one of these in a the summer is a very big deal. Folks, the Colorado Trail, we've had people on this show multiple times just to talk about that experience. We've had a lot of people on the show just to talk about the 14ers, which there are 58 peaks, and then also to talk about Leadville. And not just, in you know, a lot of people, it's just completing the Leadville 100, not including uh, the 50-miler and the marathon. What, what, what made you pull the trigger on this, ba- being able to see, like, okay, if I can maintain this pace or maintain this? The only reason I ask is there's so many moving parts here. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you could miss the deadline or miss or not get into some of these races for one or just have a really bad year of snow or something or, or, or fires to totally miss out on the Colorado Trail. There are 58 peaks. What was like the metric that said, I'm going to actually pull the trigger? Like, and, and then how, how likely did you feel you could do this? Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. Yeah, I mean, pulling the trigger, it was just like the opportunity was there. I knew that it was like threading the needle to get it all done. Mm-hmm. And I was very worried predominantly about fires. I, I remember saying going into it to like crew and people that were helping me with logistics. I was like, there's a good chance we're going to be, we're going to have to cut this short because of fires, but we're going to try. We're going to give it our go. So yeah, it just it was just out there. It was a possibility, and I definitely wanted to to put forth the best effort I could for it. Yeah, and what was uh, there was a second part to that question, and I, I didn't. Did you feel like it was going to be likely for you, like, or did you say I got a, I got a twenty percent chance of doing this? <laughs> yeah, I think I was probably about fifty fifty. I thought what would happen because the way I did it was there was the it started with the Leadville Marathon, then I got the Colorado Trail in. I really felt as though I could do it within the amount of time I had between the marathon and the 50 miler. I didn't know if it would be what it ended up being was 11 days and some change or if it would take 14, but I had enough time for that. Where I really worried was for the 14ers. I, I didn't know if I could get them all in by the Leadville 100. And so what I told everybody is, is like kind of now what is one of my things I like to stick by is like, well, even if I don't hit it within the time frame. If I have to, I'll finish the Leadville 100, and then the week after, I'll wrap up all the 14ers. It won't be as, it won't be as tight. It won't be the full what I'm coining the Colorado Crush, but we'll get it done. And then, yeah, luckily everything worked out. We had a year of a lot of rain, which really affected me during doing the Colorado Trail. It was very rainy, like uncharacteristically so for June. But that lent itself to we were pretty fire free as far as fires that were actually in Colorado that could stop me. We had tons of smoke still coming in from California. But yeah, I was able to to thread the needle, get it all done. Just getting up really early. That was really the key to it. I was starting most trailheads at 4 a.m. to assure that I could get up home and down before the afternoon storms hit. Though I still had a couple that I had to do twice because of that. So you start the Leadville Trail Marathon. And, you know, that's a marathon set course. 
easy peasy quote quote for folks who can't see. <laughs> then you're starting the Colorado Trail. What, 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 did you have any worries going into that? Like, I know it's an established trail, uh, very popular. There would be other people. Were you at all worried about getting that done in the amount of time? And also, how was that experience? Because that's a that's an amazing trail, absolutely astonishing trail. My worry, like the the thing that that did worry me was I would be probably I was at ninety percent sure the first person to do the full pass for the year. Like I was the first person to mm-hmm. complete the trail of the year. So coming into it so early, I was mainly worried about snowpack at like high elevations and you know, just the trail being a little too swampy just from all this the snow melt, which we definitely had to deal with. Like there was it was really, really muddy, especially going into the San Juans. So yeah, that was like the worry going into it. And then while I was out there, like I had one great thing with me, which was my sister-in-law was kind of my crew chief for that. So I didn't camp along the way. She kind of chased me in the in my van and we would like crash out in the van at like uh, segment ends. So mm-hmm. that was really nice to know I was getting into a warm van every night. And secondly, as she had done the whole Colorado Trail, she hiked it two years prior, and she's also through hiked the Appalachian Trail, and she was my crew chief on my transcontinental run. So having her in my corner, she was just super knowledgeable. She knew what was coming around every corner, and that really helped a lot. So I wasn't blind going into any section. She could really walk me through it before me actually having to run, shuffle, walk through it. (laughs) How beautiful was it out there? It's absolutely incredible. I mean, anyone thinking of doing the Colorado Trail, um, I think you, you know, you're gonna have a great time either direction you do, but I'm really happy that I did it from Denver to Durango because it seemed to me just to progressively become more majestic yes. and beautiful. I mean, it's just like you're in Denver, you're in the foothills, it's hot, it's beautiful, but it's nothing compared to when you get into the San Juan. What you're about to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm really happy I did it in that direction. Those 11 and a half days were some of the most blissful yet trying days of my life. I mean, just being out there on that trail, it's just so gorgeous. It's such a simple, like linear experience, one direction, just go. And I just think that's such a magical thing that I hope more people have an opportunity to experience in life because there's really nothing like it. Wow, man, that is awesome. Was it, and I know you saw people out there and went through supply towns and stuff like that. It wasn't you know, uh, totally off grid, uh, in the sense of, and you're moving so quickly that you're experiencing it much quicker than most folks will. But then you jump right into the Leadville silver rush, uh, 50 miler, almost double the, the marathon. And, uh, you know, Leadville is a big event, lots of people, lots of, you know, megaphones and lights and not lights, but you know what I'm saying? There, there's an atmosphere and environment. It's an event. Was it at all a, like whiplash for you to make those transitions from established event, wilderness, established event, wilderness yeah. event? Was that like, just like almost a culture shock? It wasn't too bad. Like, and I think the reason being is just like, the ultra trail running community is just so awesome and gracious and cool. Like it wasn't like I was like stepping into Manhattan. Like I was after running like across this, the like States. the one that you actually did. <laughs> yeah. <in Manhattan. laughs> that, that was a culture shock. Uh, but I was pretty familiar with the Leadville scene. I had ran the 50 miler a couple times prior. Um, so not a lot of that really, honestly, it was almost kind of nice. It was like, okay, I'm doing these things that are very much just me out in the wilderness and then I get to come in and commune with this community that I appreciate so much. 
So really, it, it was a bonus. It was like the celebratory time in between the kind of more isolated experiences. And, and there's like aid stations and, you know, someone will kind of let me know if I'm going off course or at least there's established established things here that where you, you could probably relax a little bit. Totally. I'm sure. And just totally. focus on getting it done. And there's no unknowns, right? Like I've seen the, I've seen the course, I've ran the course. I knew exactly how much time I had to get it done in. So yeah, it was, it was nice. It was a nice aspect. The 50 miler of the three races was the one that I handled the best. Like mm. the marathon was like a rude awakening. I was like, Oh God, this summer is going to be really hard. <laughs> and then the 50 miler, I was just in a good place and I was able to run a very consistent calculated race. And then the hundred miler was just dauntingly, dauntingly awful and hard. <laughs> wow, man. Unbelievable. Yeah. We're going to get to that. Um, so, so you get the 50 miler done. Um, t- tell us about what, what's the amount of time between the Colorado trail and starting the, the 50 miler. And then after that to starting the, the 14ers, like, did you have a few days or, you know, a yeah, week? I think I had four days between the Colorado trail, four or five between that and the 50. Okay. So you, you, you had, you, you had some wiggle room there to, to at yeah. least rest and plan for the next segment. And then, you Actually, know, it doesn't oh, really show this in the film and just for like, consistency in the film and making a storyline that flowed well we didn't really include it i actually did beardstat and evans in the like in between the colorado trail and the 50 i was really worried about getting all of the 14ers done so i got two done right before because you had a little extra time yeah um so then i did 56 in like 32 days Um, well depending on the definition you know you got 54 mountains or 58 so you know as long as you (laughs) you did them um so yeah, to me, when I think about this, when I was watching the film, it to me it feels like the fourteeners would be the most difficult aspect because the logistics of so many peaks, uh, the uncertainty of of weather, yeah. and just straight up difficulty. I know most of them are are, are like class three uh, at the most, but there are definitely a f- handful of them that are that are difficult climbs, and you need to know what you're doing. How, how 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 was it going for you? Take us through that because I'll be honest, I feel like the film didn't spend as much time on the 14ers and, and I was yeah. and I was thinking that that was going to be the most challenging aspect of all this. It definitely has like the most variables that could lend itself to, you know, you're not completing it. Again, like you said, there's weather. There are a lot of these peaks that are, you know, pretty straightforward, but then there are some that are highly technical. And it was a very, there is like as much as it was about the getting the peaks done, it's getting in between them, right? Like mm-hmm. you get done and it's two in the afternoon and you've just been going for eight to 10 hours and now you got to drive four hours to get to the next range and start those. And that happened a lot. So that part, you know, lended itself to more logistical issues. I was not familiar with the more technical ones. So that was a learning curve that I was just like taking on in real time. Through, through the 14ers, I had my, brother-in-law with me who has a little more high alpine experience than me, not really an endurance athlete, but I made sure to have him with me on the more technical ones so that we could kind of talk through them together. So that was a really nice asset for me. And then as far as the film goes and us focusing on it, the reason maybe it doesn't have as much as, you know, it's like kind of comes down to logistics of making a film. The filmmaker Mm -hmm. wasn't with me for all of them. He was there for the last 10 days. So he got to see me as I had started to wear down and get really tired. But, you know, there was some things missed. You know, there were lightning storms that I had to 
turn around for when I was like within a hundred feet of the, of the peak, which was maddening. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But then, yeah, you get on the mountains like Capitol peak where there's the knife edge where you're essentially like straddling the edge of the peak of the mountain with thousands of feet below you on either side. And that was, that was quite terrifying for anybody watch this, watch the film or watches in the future. There is a moment in the film where it's like GoPro footage. And I say, well, God, this is, this is effing terrifying. And that was me on the knife edge. So yeah, coping with, with some of those things were new for me, but I think I learned a lot out of it. And a lot of it was about just like slowing down and being very thoughtful with every step and move. Uh, that's much different than what it is for me when I run trail or road. I usually just barrel ahead as fast as I can, where this took a lot more thought and having to be very cautious. And I think that's just a good practice is to, to do that. I know you had done a, a number of them beforehand. W- w- was there one in particular or, or an area in particular you ex- you were excited to see? Because, because through this, I don't know if we're really explaining the Colorado crash, you, you are seeing so much of Colorado, like so yeah. much, like all of it, not all of it. I will say there's plenty of places that you'll, you'll never, you know, you, there's, there's always stuff to explore, but you are seeing so much of the state. Was there something that was really, you were really excited about or something that maybe caught you off guard with its beauty or how much, you know, more amazing it was than you thought it would be? Yeah. The Elks for sure. Mm-hmm. Like those mountains around Aspen, the, the Bells, Pyramid Peak mm-hmm. and Capitol Peak. I really, really love those mountains. They're very steep. They have a ton of vertical rise. So even when you're hiking up from above below tree line, it's like the trail's like right at your nose. Like you're just like <laughs> walking up a wall. <laughs> uh, I really, really appreciated those mountains. I found that area to be really beautiful. Um, it's such a weird juxtapose for anyone who's not been up there. Like to be in those mountains and then step into Aspen is like one of the strangest experiences you'll ever have. Like Aspen is such a bougie kind of like Rodeo drive in the mountains. So yeah. it's just wild to come. You're all like kind of, you know, a beard's grown out. I'm stinking from all the trails and not getting enough showers. And then you walk into Aspen and there's like a Louis Vuitton store. Right. Like that was a very, very interesting experience. And there's LeBron's house, like right there. Yeah. <laughs> Weird tidbit. There, apparently there are more billionaires per capita in Aspen than anywhere else in the world. Jeez. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't doubt it, man. It's such an interesting, like you said, Louis Vuitton store, or Gucci store, right? And yeah. you, you're, you were just in the back country with like bears and yeah. you're, you're a dirt bag and you walk in and there's a Gucci store. Like what, what is going on? So it, it's super interesting. Totally. Was there a, a peak that gave you particular trouble? You know, I, you, you were saying you weren't as familiar with the technical aspect. Did any of that give you, give you issue or did you handle it pretty well? Yeah, sunlight uh, in the Chicago Basin. So there's four peaks that you have to hike into or take a train into. That was like the only overnight camping I did, like where I went in and actually set up a tent. So 13 miles in, camped for two nights and did four peaks. One of those being sunlight. And the thing about sunlight is at the top, there's this spot they call, I think it's called the block. And essentially there's this, you're almost to the peak and there's this like, deep cavern and you have to jump over that onto the peak and jumping onto it wasn't much of an issue. I got up there, but then you kind of see how far down it is all around you. And when I, after I summited to jump back down over that spot, ah, I froze. I was terrified. I sat there for like 10, 15 minutes as my wife and brother-in-law like 
coerced me to make the jump back over. So that one definitely scared me the most. That one for sure. And then avoiding the lightning and the storms that were coming in earlier and earlier every day became an issue. So there were two peaks where I was like within, within eyesight, within 100 yards at one point from the peak and I had to turn around and then repeat that one again another day. So that oh was pretty, that was kind of frustrating. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm looking at the sunlight peak called the leap of faith. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> what happens if you don't make it? You're going to fall. You're gonna <laughs> How die. far? How like, what is it? Is it just a gap? <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's a little bit, it's a psychological thing. So as you jump onto it, you look over the backside and that's where it's just like thousands oh, of feet. So you got to like mean, almost prevent yourself from going too far. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and, oh. and for me, what happened was, is like, that's where my mind was. It was like, okay, that side is so far down. But then you turn around and that spot, you got to jump back over to get where you came from. I think if you fell down there, you're probably going to break an arm or a leg. But in my mind, I could not get past what I had just seen on the other side. And that was all. I was like, if I fall, if I fall I'm going to fall thousands of feet. When in reality, it's probably just going to hurt you and you're going to have to have a search and rescue team come get you. But I mean, nobody wants that either. No, uh, no, it's, it's... So, I mean, I was, I was, I mean, I was. I was acting like a child. I was terrified. I was like, I, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. Like, call search and rescue. They're like, we'll be okay. We'll get you down. And luckily, they like coerced me into doing it. What? So, so that's, <laughs> that's hilarious, man. <laughs> Acting like a child. <laughs> I think you're allowed a few moments like that on an adventure like this. What 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 do you do in those moments? Because because I, I think a lot of us can get caught up in the moment and freak out. You know, I, I know for me on bike trips, I, I get freaked out by traffic that was super close after like hours of being buzzed. And I'm like, I, I just can't do this anymore. But obviously we continue uh, most of the time. What do you do in that moment? How, how, how do you get through it? Because logically you have every right to not do something that's dangerous in a lot of people's eyes. You know what I'm saying? Totally. But you know that you need to complete this. Like what, what, what do you do then? For me, it's like breath work. You know, it's really mm. about calming myself down and like getting the heart, getting all those like physical markers of anxiety to go down. So just like calming myself down, breathing deep through my nose, out through my mouth, settling into the thing. And then there's a moment where you just kind of got to say like, fuck it. And just yeah. like make the leap, you know? And for me, it's that. It's just like calming down and really looking at what's ahead of me, knowing that, I have the experience trusting in myself and realizing that people do that thing every day. Try not to do anything too dangerous, but you know, you need to step outside of yourself and outside of your comfort zone a little bit in life, I think. Yeah. What was there a point on the 14ers specifically that it, that it seemed that, that you felt maybe this was out of reach or a moment that you might've had to call it quits? What was there anything? I I'm sure those moments you had to turn around with the lightning felt just heartbreaking, but I, mm. I don't know if it caused you to say, I can't do this anymore. Was there a moment that did? No, I, you know, but I think that happened more in the first five days of the Colorado trail. They were really trying for me, but the 14ers, we just marched along really well. We got really lucky with weather. I had a great companion for that and we just got it done. Like there was, you know, there were moments where I was really tired and exhausted and yeah, there were some setbacks and some scary moments, but all in all, we just kept charging through that session. Like we, we got it done and, you know, I really grew a lot during that and really, really appreciate it. It was probably the highlight of it all for me. Like I thought I would, I thought the Colorado trail would be it because it was something I was familiar with. 
just the idea of one direction, go for it. But I got, I grew the most out of the 14ers, I believe. What were some of the reactions you were getting on this? And and did you feel, because, you know, you're not, the 14ers are a popular or a goal. So there are other people you're coming across and you probably have the ability to chat with people at the trailheads and whatnot or on summits. Did, could you feel the sense of this thing gaining momentum as you went with like just awareness? And what were some of the reactions yeah. you were getting from folks? Yeah, it was cool. Like uh, finishing up the Fort, the Colorado Trail, when I finished, there was like a big fanfare, but it was all people who just caught wind of what I was doing as I was finishing. And that was really fun. There was like a, a group of mountain bikers who I was like kind of yo-yoing with all day on the last day. And when I finished, they were like celebrating with me, which was great. Uh, and then on the 14ers, it was interesting. Progressively, as I went through them, people started to uh, recognize me. Like they were like I was at the top of Handy's. And somebody was like, are you Robbie? I was like, yeah. And they're like, dude, we're following you doing this on social media. So that was really, really cool. Uh, and then meeting people who were through hiking and then also people that I, there were a couple who were doing all the 14ers. For the through hikers, like we would chat and I would tell them how fast I was going for. They'd be super impressed. I'm super impressed with people that carry a backpack and sleep out there every day. It's a whole right. different experience from what I did. 14ers, what was really interesting is after I finished up the Colorado Crush, like two weeks later, Shelly and I, my wife, we went and did a couple 14ers, just kind of repeats for the summer. And there was a couple who were finishing up all of theirs. It had taken them a couple years, which I think is, you know, completely valid if it takes your whole life to do them, whatever it is. But they were celebrating on top of one of the mountains and they had actually brought like a pony keg up with them and were like serving beer to people. And uh, I just let them have that moment. I didn't even really mention that I had done them all. It was just like, this is their time, their experience. There's no reason yeah. for me to be like, I just did them all in 34 days, you know, so. Oh, man. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's more fun to keep the secret. Yeah, you know. Have that it, satisfaction. It, it, it wasn't my space. It wasn't my day. That was their day. And I wanted them to have it. And it was just cool to get to be a part of it and kind of reminisce about when I finished the 58th one on top of Missouri Peak and like how how excited we were. That's cool, man. I'm sure it was actually hard not to say, hey, I just did all these and the Colorado Trail and the Linfield <laughs> Series and just totally take the wind out of their sails. That's, that's hilarious, man. What, what I find craziest about this is that you only slept in a tent like a couple times. Yeah. How in the world is that possible? <laughs> um, oh my gosh, that is too cool though. All right, so getting through the 14ers, uh, Man, I, I can't imagine the feeling of just getting all that done, but knowing you still have a pretty major uh, adventure left, the Leadville 100, I'm sure it felt like it was going to be a cakewalk, but uh, by the film, which I'm hoping we're not giving away too much of the film, people watch it. Dude, that felt like that was the crux. You yeah. tell me. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It, you know, going into it, like crew and family and everything, there was just so many conversations around like, what is this going to do to me? Am I going to, is it going to be my breakout race? And I've just put in all this training and I'm going to do great. Or am I going to be dead by the end? And we did, it was 50, 50. We did not know which direction it was going to go. And for the first 13 miles, it felt like it was going to be the breakout race, the greatest thing I'd ever done. And then it just really quickly fell apart and my body was thrashed. Hmm. And, uh, it lent itself to a really, really challenging, you know, 24 more hours of just, everything I could do to just put one foot in front of the other. I was extremely exhausted between finishing the 14ers and, and the Colorado, I mean the Leadville 100, I think I had two days of rest, you know, like most people were training very specifically for that race all summer. 
and then tapered for a week at least. And I was just coming into it right off of the 14ers. That race is really hard. It has a 50% attrition rate. 50% of the people that start it do not finish it. So yeah, it, it tried me to the very last step. Wow. Wow. It, it, much more than, than you anticipated. I can imagine. Well, well, it was probably just mental. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it had been a hundred more miles on trail that you knew you were going to have to do because it was part of getting more 14ers or something, it probably wouldn't have been that big a deal in the sense of just loop it all in with, with that, that, that mindset. But I'm sure at that point you had said, oh, I've got this in the bag. And sometimes that's the hardest part, especially when you have a hundred miles, not an easy hundred miles left a very daunting experience for anybody in itself. So that is an interesting thing. Like you start to normalize stuff. that's not normal. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, there was a moment where I was like, it's just a hundred miles. It's like, no, that's nuts. Like the 11100 is nuts. Like it, it just to do that in the summer should be like, Oh God, you know, daunting. Yeah. I got to do that. But yeah, I put myself in a spot where I was like, ah, just breeze through this real quick. And uh, yeah, that was not the case. It can definitely catch you off guard. It did a good job of showing that struggle. Like that, it was very true to the experience of me just being totally depleted and beat up. It got me to the point where towards the end, I'm like, I don't know if he's going to finish this. Like, <laughs> yeah. Is he going to end like 25 miles left of the length of 100? I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know. I was thinking like, dude, can he, is he just going to like pass out or something? <laughs> and that that was the experience. And also props to Reese Robinson, the filmmaker. He did a really good job of like creating that tension and showing, because that's how the crew was. I mean, there was a moment I found out afterwards, there was a moment where the crew and the film, my crew and the film crew got together and they started coming up with like, okay, well, what do we do if he doesn't finish? Like what, what is the storyline? How do, like, how do we, how do we, console him if it comes down to this last aspect of this large effort and he can't complete it. But yeah, you know, we got it done. Yeah, we got it done. That's awesome. What 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 was it like having a film crew involved? I know they weren't there every day, like you said, and there's plenty of big chunks that were, were without it. What was, does that change it for you? How you experienced the, the, the adventure? No, I try not to let it like I try in life in general to be a pretty authentic person. And so like when they show up, I just try to continue as I normally would. And luckily, like Reese, the filmmaker, we quickly we we didn't know each other prior to this project, but we quickly bonded and became pretty good friends. So it was a pretty natural fit and it didn't make me feel awkward at any time. He's really good at just kind of sitting back and, and observing through the lens and doesn't you know, interject with what's going on too much. So it, it wasn't really too much of too problematic or anything. That's awesome. Very cool, man. Well, well tell, tell me this. What, what do you think, you know, you talk about, you know, having all this time to think, having all this time to reflect. What do you think now that you've finished it and the film has come out and you're, you're getting this reception, what do you think you've learned through this experience and how do you think it's changed you? Uh, I know that's a lot. You can focus yeah. on one aspect of that or a few aspects of that. You know, for this one, this summer, that summer was just all about gratitude and really finding myself in a spot where I was just yeah, extremely grateful at the opportunity and trying to take that same feeling of gratitude into the rest of life and the more mundane days. It's really hard, I think, in our current state of affairs in life to like stay positive and channeling this summer 
where I was just blessed with this opportunity and remembering how grateful I was for that and using it as an opportunity to find things to be grateful for now, I think was a really big thing for me. It was one more step in this evolution of me understanding that I can do anything that I set my mind to. That was a a saying that my mom instilled in me from a young age and now practicing it through these large efforts. It just gives me more confidence going into life and other pursuits. Uh, I think those are really big. And really just like Colorado is beautiful. This state will blow your mind. Like I, I can't say enough about it and getting to experience it. Like you mentioned earlier, seeing pretty much all of it, like seeing all of the Rockies, like all of this beautiful part of Colorado was just all inspiring. And I highly recommend anyone that's never been up here, come give it a visit because it's, it's fantastic. Absolutely. Oh man. It, it, you know, that's, that's, uh, I'm glad it took 300,000 miles of climbing and what 1200 miles of, of hiking to realize Colorado is beautiful. Yeah. I did it without all that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, had, you had to make sure is what you did. You had to yeah, make sure. Totally. It was <laughs> well, you know, and I know it might be too early or might not be finalized, but you know, with, with putting together challenges like this that no one has ever done in this way, possibilities are endless of what you could continue doing. Do, do, do you feel like more adventures of this scale or this type are, are, of interest to you? Or do you feel like it's like, okay, I've done that. I want to do something totally different, like write a book or do a totally different thing altogether. Like what's next for you, I guess, is what I'm asking if you have even considered. Oh yeah. No, 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 I'm totally in this. I'm, I'm knee deep in it. I love it. (laughs) Um, So no, this, it's still about pursuing big efforts. Uh, Also really loving the aspect of storytelling through it. Um, I like doing things that are like, you know, I, I enjoy races. I am completely and utterly impressed with guys that women, everyone that gets into races, the podiums to the last finisher. They're awesome. But for me, I'm really interested in these larger, big efforts where you put yourself against yourself and continuing to pursue those. And also the storytelling aspect, doing more films around the efforts I do, but also what other athletes are doing. So I recently started a media company called Audacious Media with a website component called the Audacious Report. And that's kind of where we released the Colorado Crush with the idea of being is we're going to feature other athletes doing cool things. We have like six different efforts that we're going to have films with in the pipeline right now. And then for me, you know, I did the Colorado Crush last summer. I actually in April did another big effort. Uh, it was the premise of it was to outlast the Tesla. So we sent a Tesla 3. Uh, ahead until its battery ran out. And then I had to surpass that distance in one run. We did it in central Texas around Austin. So it was 244 miles in 77 hours. And uh, that we filmed as well. And there'll be a film coming out about that in late August. That'll be coming out through my apparel sponsor, 10,000. So that was a lot of fun. And then right now I'm gearing up for the Three Peaks Challenge. So it'll be summiting the highest point in Wales, Scotland, and England and traversing in between by foot. It's a 430-mile effort with 40,000 feet of gain. And the hope is to do that in eight days or less. So I will, if I can accomplish that, I will break the current record. And we'll be doing that starting on September 9th, I believe. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. How do you come about an idea like running farther than a Tesla? Where does this come? Is it just, that's like kind of asking a comedian where they get their ideas. It's a question every comedian hates, but like, 
where do you get your ideas? <laughs> yeah, they all they all come a little bit differently, you know, and usually one lends itself to the next is kind of how it's worked for me in a way. Like I always like start getting an idea and sometimes I won't tell anybody about it for another six, eight months. And I'm like, okay, I want to do this thing. And usually I first came up with it when I was doing the thing before. So Tesla was interesting though. It was kind of this coalescing of a couple things. Like one at the beginning of the year, like having sponsors, I kind of have to give them an idea of what I want to do in the coming year. We have to start building out a calendar so that we can make sure that they get what they need out of it. And I do as well. And so with that one, in my apparel brand 10,000, I told them I'd do something in the spring with them. I wanted to do like a 250 mile race. I was thinking about doing the Coca Dona 250, which is a race across Arizona. And they had this idea of doing a relay with a couple of their athletes where they would outlast a Tesla. And they would be in a relay format. And as we started talking about it and looking at it, I was looking at the distances a Tesla would go and realized the Model 3's range was around 250 miles. And I was like, guys, I think it could be more interesting if I just kind of do this by myself. Like, let's take the relay component out of it and let me just do it as one big effort. And so that combined these two needs. Like, I wanted to do the 250 mile, wanted to experience that, that kind of space. And they wanted this Tesla component. And for me, I'm, a, I'm plant-based um, and I do a little bit, you know, plant-based advocacy through my running. And to me, there was this like weird, not weird, there was this like interesting similarity between like a Tesla, you know, being like the greenest kind of version of transportation. And a lot of my plant-based decisions are because of environmental reasons. So there was like this parallel there and using it as this marker so that the like person that's not super familiar with these ultra long distances could start to wrap their head around that 250 mile mark being like, okay, that's what a Tesla can do in one battery charge. Now this guy is going to go run that. So that was, that was kind of the play on that. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to that. That's coming out. You said in August, September. Yeah. I think late August, we're working through the final edits right now. Um, it's a super cool film. Uh, that one will not be under this audacious umbrella that I'm doing everything else under, but Still super excited about it. And then we have other films coming out. A friend of mine, William Gooch, he did this thing called Run Como, where he ran around Lake Como in Italy. It was 108 miles in sub-24 hours. He was the first person to ever run around Lake Como. So we're doing a short little three-part series on him doing that. Another friend of mine, Oz Perlman, he actually broke my Central Park Loop record this year. He's running 135 miles down Long Island, starting, he's doing it tomorrow, actually, and we're filming that for a short film. He's doing 135 miles in sub-24 hours, which is crazy. All kinds of, yeah, other things we're doing to kind of continue this this space of, like, ultra-endurance films, which I'm really excited about. Wow. Unbelievable. Well, I, I tell you what, um, keep us posted. If this comes out by the time that Tesla movie's out, we'll, uh, we'll definitely plug it and tell folks to check it out but obviously going to tell people to check out the colorado crush please please it's a great film i'm really proud of it yeah and it's I, amazing I a lot out of it it's cool it's amazing it's beautiful it's emotional it's inspiring obviously have you inspired from your knowledge anyone else to repeat this because you're you're, <laughs> you're kind of coining this thing you know what i mean you're setting the fkt yeah. you're you're uh you're making this new challenge for some crazy folks yeah, I hope that was when I when I set out to do it. One of my main aspirations that was it would be that other people would follow. It would be like a thing, you know. Like in the, this summer, I'm going to try to do the Colorado Crush. One thing I love about the Colorado Crush is it has these bookends, right? Like it starts with the marathon, it finishes with the hundred miler, so it kind of eliminates that like 
I think the competition's great. I love FKTs. I'm all into it. But I also like things that are just there for the sake of doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, since there's a book in, it's like nobody. It's like there's no record to break here. It's more like, hey, do you want to try to do all these things in the summer? You can go for it. Somebody's done it. It's possible. Yeah. Go see all these these amazing things and experience all these amazing places. And if there's anyone out there that is inspired to try to do it, please reach out to me. I am happy to give all the beta I can and tell you what I think I did right and places I think I could have done it better. Oh, that's awesome. I appreciate that. And yeah, it's a great point. You know, it's just, it's limited to the, when these events are scheduled and uh, with, you know, the goal to get them done beforehand. Yeah. Wow. So cool. Well, uh, Robbie, yeah. Thank you so much for jumping on and just telling us a little bit about this. You know, this is, uh, I'm sure you could go on and on about what you've learned. I would absolutely love to talk about running across the U.S. I know um, that had to be, I, I don't know if that was harder or easier compared to this, but it feels like it could be a little bit of both, Yeah. especially being an earlier experience or your first experience. So yeah, kudos for setting these big, adve- big adventures up and, and getting them done. That's uh, it's not easy. It's, it's easy to dream big. It's not easy to actually make it happen. Thank you. Yeah, it is. You know, it takes a lot of work, but then the rewards are pretty amazing. Yeah. So I'm excited to do it. I'm, all, I'm really excited to share it with other people. And yeah, I just love for people to check out the film. It's awesome. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. <laughs>